Happy New Year to all of you. So glad to have you with us on this special Sunday and on this first Sunday of the new year. If you're not a winter lover, eat your heart out. It's never going to get better than this in central Ohio on January 6th. So enjoy that weather. Happy New Year, first Sunday of the year. By the way, just to get it out of the way, there is no pastoral dress code here at Grace. Sometimes a pastor goes rogue and, and wears the same thing that I do, but you'll forgive him, I'm sure. And if you didn't notice that, go get your eyesight checked this year. That will help. It's first Sunday of the year, and none of us know what 2019 will bring, but God knows it in great detail, doesn't he? In fact, God's planned it, and we get to experience it together with him, and God knows everything that's going to come our way this year. Have you thought of that? In fact, for followers of Jesus, everything that takes place, God will cause to work for the good in 2019 of all those things for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And if you know Jesus Christ, then that includes you. That 2019 will be used by God in all of its totality for your good and for his glory. Today's also a special Sunday. It's the last uh, Sunday in our auditorium as it's presently configured and looks aesthetically. Next time we meet here, it will be on the back side of a very extensive uh, renovation and a much needed auditorium update. Actually, the entire worship center, not just this space in the auditorium, but this particular part of our facilities, this building, will get a major facelift in the coming year, and I cannot wait for that. I hope you share that anticipation. The work's going to begin uh, in a number of weeks this winter, and in the next several weeks, uh, we're going to have opportunity to prepare the worship center uh, for the professional renovation. And in doing so, actually, we can save some good money with our sweat equity in the coming weeks. Specifically, I'm going to point this out, the next two Sundays or Saturdays here at Grace, that would be January the 12th and January the 19th, are what we call work days at Grace. And as uh, Mike O'Neill said in his Cleveland Brown sweater at the beginning of the service, there are no skills required. All we need is you. So if you're fully booked from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. for the next two Saturdays, and it's a good reason you're absolved. But if it's not, and you're part of Grace Polaris Church, we really would ask you to come for a couple of hours on one or both of those Sundays to help us do a lot of work here that saves us money and prepares the work uh, for the professionals. As part of Grace, I'd urge you to be here. There's more information in your worship program. Be praying as well for a group of elders that's meeting in the coming days to finalize the scope of our renovation here in this room and in the worship center. Because of your uh, generous, your sacrificial gifts, we have about $5 million available, uh, the majority of those gifts already received, to renovate the worship center. The full scope of the renovation as originally designed is closer to $6 million, in part because of escalation costs in the last couple of years. So we're going to need to make some significant adjustments, but I hope not too significant. If you've already given or already committed to this renovation, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Your gift, your gifts speak volumes. And some of you have done so at great sacrifice, and your church family thanks you. If Grace is your church home, and you haven't in the last year, year and a half, uh, given, there's still opportunity for you to do so to help minimize the scale back that might be necessary. But that window's closing quite fast, 
So if that's you and you want to jump in as part of your church family, uh, please let us know and do so uh, quickly on that. Many gifts add up fast. Well, it's our final Sunday here. It's a day to look back on what God has done. And so today is going to be quite a unique message. Actually, messages. I've divided it up into two different parts. A shorter uh, part that looks back and a longer part that looks forward. Um, we're not going to have a primary text of Scripture like we do almost every Sunday here at Grace, though we will be looking at some of the examples that we see from the Scriptures about a situation somewhat like ours. Today is going to be a little bit more of a pep talk, a little bit more of a rallying cry, a little bit more of a, of a call to consen- consecration for us. And my prayer today is that God would stir in our souls, that he would... He would prepare us as we await and we engage what he has planned for us in the year and years to come. And a change, uh, an upgrade in the facilities that we have here is really quite an opportune time for us to consider just what that might be. A day like today is one that we look back on with a lot of nostalgia and a lot of gratitude. God has been very, very good to our church for 55 years. And for almost 35 years, his goodness to us has been on display in large measure in this very room. Things that we associate with the worship center and our gathered times in this auditorium. And in a moment, and I want you to be preparing for this, you're going to have opportunity to speak a sentence or two to your church congregation on how God has blessed, how God has worked. So if you have your communication card, I want you to pull that out. And if you don't, I want you to get up right now and walk to the front of your pew section. There are communication cards at the front of every pew section. So go ahead and get up um, and go get one of those. And I want you to be writing down a sentence or two of uh, your gratitude, your remembrance, uh, your thankfulness to God for how he's used these spaces here. Again, you're allowed to get up. I see all of you moving by the hundreds here. If you don't have a communication card... They're at the front of the pew section, so feel free to avail yourself uh, to that. Again, a sentence or two, just start jotting there something that finishes this sentence. I thank God for how he used the worship center for, and just fill in the blank, a sentence or two. Feel free to write as I'm talking here. In just a few minutes, you'll have opportunity to share. For me... I've been part of Grace for only seven and a half years. And my mind, as I thought this week, was flooded with with gatherings and events and worship services and the remembrances of things that have happened in this current space. And my heart overflows. God has been so good to Grace Blair's church. God has used our collective efforts, our, our corporate gatherings and worship for wonderful things for us and for him. And it kind of reminds me of several things that we read in the Old Testament. One of them comes from Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. I think we have it on the screen. The Lord your God has blessed you, the writer says, in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. Does that resonate with you when you think about God's work with us? Next week, a sneak preview, we're going to begin a look this winter at the book of Joshua. 
And we're going to be looking at the same God who showed the same kind of faithfulness to his people in a very different time, in a very different place. But I can't help but see some parallels here between that ancient writing and where we're at today. Yeah, it was written to the children of Israel, not the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, they were in a wilderness, and we've been regularly gathering in this very building. They had 40 years, the verse says. We've had 35 in here. But the Lord has blessed us, hasn't he? God's given power and influence to the work of our hands and to the impact of our lives. God has watched over us here at Grace through times of tragedy, times of rejoicing. God's cared for us in times of of windfall and times of shortage. God's been with us when we've grieved, and he's been with us when we've been ecstatic. He's been there for us in this very room, in weddings, in funerals, in child dedications, in graduations. He's helped us raise our children, many of us, in these spaces. He's brought lost people to Christ, many that you have invited. God's used our creative talents in this very room. And he's made up for some of our very modest efforts. God's persisted with us, stubborn hearts, and he's borne fruit through us when we've been receptive. God has been with us, and we have not lacked anything. Is that true? Is that true, Grace Polaris Church? Have we seen a faithful God here? Have lives been reached? Have lives, maybe yours included, been transformed through the blessing of God? I sure think so. And I say on a day like today, to God be the glory for what he's done. It's amazing what God can do through willing people who say, here are we, Lord, use us. And the reason is because he's a faithful God. You know, a a couple chapters later in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, we read this. Know therefore that your God, that the Lord your God is God. And he's the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. We love because he first loved us. And through his spirit, many, many of us have sought to obey all that he has commanded us, as Jesus says. Through all kinds of phases of life. But God's been faithful, and we've been blessed, and the gospel's been spoken, and the gospel has gone forth. And people have come to faith, and people have experienced newness of life here at Grace. We have so much to be thankful for. And much of that, Grace Polaris Church, is connected with, associated with this very space. Yes, this space of orange pews, look around, bad lighting, coffee stains, candle wax, 1980s video cameras. I think they're called cathode ray monitors at the back. All the fashions and styles of the last 35 years. God has brought us thus far, and he's worked through us. We have so much reason to rejoice. And today, as we enter a time of transition, we praise him for that. Not just the praise of nostalgia, 
but with an increasing gratitude. And I want to play something that may remind you of some of those things. As you have your communication card in hand and you're writing that sentence or two of how you thank God for how he's used the worship center. When this is done, I'm going to have you go to either my left or my right where a couple of pastors will be standing with microphones for you to read off, to say your sentence or two of gratitude to how God has used this very place. Take a look. Over seven years ago, when we moved here to Columbus, we moved into a new house. It was actually a house that was a dozen years old, but it was new to us at the time, and we were full of excitement. And we got that house through a series of very unique circumstances, as a realtor who was very helpful to us and in this church well knows. Unforgettable circumstances, and a whole lot of waiting and patience and yes, a lot of impatience too. But that day arrived, finally, when we could move in. And that was so exciting. I can remember that day because some of you helped us in the process. So much labor, it felt like. Such cool possibilities. So much cleaning, my wife reminds me. But such great spaces. And that sounds a little bit like where we're at. In one week, that's going to be our reality as a church family. We're going to be moving into the ministry center next week. And I was just over there, and it looks fantastic. Worship services for a year, wide-ranging ministry for many years to come. And I hope and I pray outreach to lost people around us where we go to them and we invite them to us. I can't wait. You know, when I think back to moving into our house where we're at right now, I remember some of the sensations, some of the feelings that we had entering there, just like many of you can do with the place that you're in. I remember thinking, man, this is a long time in coming. It's about time. I remember thinking, I hope everything works and we didn't just purchase a place with hidden flaws and a lot of major problems. 
I remember thinking, I wonder what this place will look like once we get all of our furniture moved in, once all the Yoder stuff is part of the house. I remember thinking, all right, what are we going to still need to purchase for this house so that it becomes our home, home to us? Remember thinking, I wonder what kinds of experiences, what kinds of memories we're going to make in this house in the coming years. And I remember thinking, how cool is this? This place is now our house. And the sky's the limit for how we can use it. Do you remember when you moved into your current place or a place in your past whether it was a home purchase or a rented apartment, and the sensations, the feelings, the thoughts that you had then. I look at next week and and think of so many things for us to be excited about. Not just next week, but for the next year and the years to come. And even before we experience what God is going to do for us, we've already seen what God has done for us. Let me remind you. Thanks to, in part, our facilities agreement with Worthington Christian Schools, thanks to two large estate gifts, thanks to the sacrifice and generosity of many of you here at Grace, that Forest Family Ministry Center is completely paid for. Absolutely. Now, if you've ever purchased a home with cash, you know exactly what that's like. And for the other 97% of us, we can only imagine what that's like. But that's our reality as a church. And we rejoice and we praise God for his wonderful provision in that way. God's given us a new place to live as a church for the next year. And it's going to be our primary home for the next year. And and as you think about next week and what that's going to be like, we've put together a creative and the perfect person for it, a visual preview of how you can prepare and grow in excitement for what next week and the months to come bring. Take a look. Hey guys, Dave here, standing in front of the brand new Grace Ministry Center. This will become home to many of our classes and ministries come January next week to be exact. We are so excited to see how God will help us use this building that I want to give you a final preview before we move in next week. You may be asking yourself, with all the changes, where should I park? Let me give you a couple tips. Right behind me is what we call the South Parking Lot. Now, in case you aren't good with directions or you didn't take orienteering in college, if you look for the sun rising up in the east, use that as a directional point to find you on a Sunday morning on the south side. There's also another large lot we call the southeast lot right over this direction. That's got a few spaces too, but there's not enough space between the two for everybody on a Sunday morning, so you're welcome to park anywhere around the building you like. I recommend if you have children you're going to check into the Early Childhood Center anyway, then maybe park on the northeast side, which is where we used to park our sort of our overflow parking. That way you can stop by the ECC, check in your kids on your way over to the new ministry center. Now a little bit more about the kids. Like I said, all children from birth to fourth grade will need to check in here at the front entrance to the Early Childhood Center with their parents. For the duration of 2019, all of those classes, birth through fourth grade, will be in the Early Childhood Center. Once the parents drop them off, they can take their middle school and high school kids with them 
over to the new ministry center where we'll have grace students, Sunday morning groups, and worship services. And don't worry, if it's really bad weather, there'll be a way to get through on the inside through an enclosed tunnel from the early childhood center to the new ministry center to keep you safe. We are now in the room where it happens. This is where we're gonna be holding services for the next year. Now they'll be at the same time and have similar styles to the services we already have. That's nine o'clock and 10.45 with a traditional service earlier and a more modern service later in the day. It's a little bit smaller than our regular auditorium so it's gonna be compact and cozy, which can be a good thing. The first couple weeks, you might wanna come early so you can see the new facility, explore the open spaces and get a good seat. Sunday morning groups, Grace students, and our special needs ministries will be happening in these classrooms right up and down the hall, only steps away from the gathering. So maybe you can come one hour to the gathering and then use the other hour to take part in one of the opportunities we have here at Grace for you to connect and grow. Well, that about covers it. As we look forward to the changes in 2019, let's pray that God can use this space to reach people for Him. Thank you to all of you who contributed to the Reaching Beyond campaign to make this possible. And thanks for your flexibility in the year to come. If you wanna know more about the transition, then you can go to our website at graceplayers.org transition or call the church offices. There's a lot of great things in store. I'm looking forward to it and I hope you are too. Great preview for those of you who uh, don't need a lot of information. You got more than you needed there. For the OCD people in our uh, congregation, we'll push that out to you this week, and you can watch that 10 times on your computer screen if you want to prepare for next week. Don't worry, we'll have people out there to kind of hold your hand and get you going in the right place. Ministry Center is where everything happens apart from Grace Kids Ministry beginning next week, and we look forward to having you there. That's going to be our home, and there's something energizing about a new space, isn't there? Not just new to us, but a brand new facility. And as great as that is, there are some temptations along the way. Foremost among those temptations, perhaps the biggest temptation that any of us face anytime we encounter transition in life is complaining, grumbling. Why is that? Well, because we're required to go to to new places and adjust to new things and develop new patterns. And so we complain. It doesn't matter much in life whether what we experience is actually better in multiple ways. It doesn't matter if the alternative to those changes would actually be much worse. You know, we could be meeting as one plan had it several years ago in the AUGS gym for a year. Aren't you glad that we didn't go that direction? It doesn't matter that some of the exercise of change is actually very good for our own growth individually and as a church. It doesn't matter that change, transition, gets many of us out of certain ruts that aren't in our best interest. It's that complaining comes so natural. It's always easier to complain than to adjust. And it's always been. The Bible is actually full of examples and warnings of God's people who, who chose to complain rather than to adjust. And we're going to read a couple of those this morning. They serve as cautions, warnings even, to us. 
have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can follow on the screen. We're going to be looking at two in the book of Exodus and one a little later in the Old Testament. I'm going to begin reading. You can find it as we go. Exodus chapter 14. The children of Israel are there just before the miracle of the Red Sea. And here's what we read in Exodus 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Here's God. He's about to rescue his people and to bless his people, but they're too busy complaining and despairing to see what he's about to do. They were prisoners to the status quo. And God says, get moving and watch me. Two chapters later, a second example, Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. The children of Israel here are on the other side of the parting of the Red Sea, and now they're in the desert on the way to the promised land. Here's what we read. In the desert, Exodus 16, 2, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Down in verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Here's God. He's ready to provide MREs, meals ready to eat, for this field trip that he's taking his people on. But they, again, were too busy complaining, too busy revolting to see it. They decided that their leaders had concocted a plan to starve them, which was false. And they remembered that they had a smorgasbord to eat all the time beforehand, which was false. They were prisoners to the status quo. God says, shut up and watch me. Well, not exactly, but that was the idea. Example number three. A couple books later, Numbers chapter 14, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Again, they're preparing to enter the promised land, God's people are, and they see resistance. They see obstacles. Beginning in verse 1 of Numbers 14, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. The spies had just come back with a report. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. This is like deja vu all over again. Or, or died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, 
who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Here's God. He's wetting the appetite of his people for this lavish, full of abundance land that they're about to enter. But again, they were too busy complaining, too busy clutching to this nightmare scenario to see it. They decided that they were inevitably going to be slaughtered, so they raised the white flag, and God said to them, don't rebel, just follow me. See, God knows that we're fickle people. Even when what we're offered is much better and part of a larger, better plan. God knows that the experience of his people is to be tempted by fear and to grumble and to withdraw in the face of transition. Even his own chosen people here we've seen succumb to that time and time again. And they provide an example. They provide a warning and they provide a hope for us. For us as we undergo a much smaller kind of transition. Here's what Paul says in the New Testament about these stories from the Old Testament from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul writes there in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, referring back to the people of Israel, were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, referring to the judgment of those who would rather complain than to follow what God's doing. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 10. What kind of evil things are you talking about, Paul, we might ask? Well, he lists three. I find them fascinating. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Don't be idolaters. And the rest of us would say, yeah, tell them, Paul. Verse 8. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Yeah, sexual immorality. That's bad. Tell them, Paul. Verse 10. Uh-oh. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. You mean to tell me that idolatry and sexual immorality and grumbling are all evil, wicked things, Paul? God? Yep. And he says here, don't succumb to what they succumb to. These things happen, verse 11, to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation 
has overtaken you except what is common to man. That means fear. That means anxiety. That means paralysis. That means grumbling and the like. But when you're tempted, excuse me, and God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Meaning, endure the temptation to fear and to withdraw and to grumble. Friends, church, we have so much to look forward to in this coming year. And it's going to be a year of transition. It's going to call us to some new patterns. It's going to require that F word for us. Flexibility. It's going to require patience as we figure out some of the best patterns and, and beneficial logistics. And as a church, 2019 is going to call us to step up and to step out as we enter this next phase of our church's story. But remember, God doesn't call those he doesn't equip. God equips those who are willing to seize the opportunities before them, and there are many for us. Let me list several for us. And these are opportunities we might ask God to give us as we look at the coming year. First, ask God to give us new opportunities. New opportunities to proclaim the gospel in our world. In a chaotic world full of lost people and to help believers, some that you're around right now, grow up in their faith in Christ. If you've paid any attention to the news in the last week, month, year or beyond, you know that it feels like, humanly speaking, our culture spun off its axis. And that leaves people broken and people wounded and people lost, and they feel that in personal ways. If you and I know Jesus Christ, we know that that's actually a spiritual condition for them, that our world doesn't offer many satisfying answers. And so the time for us, fellow followers of Jesus, is now. Let's ask God to help use our facilities to help us better reach out to a lost world. Second thing, ask God to give you a renewed mindset. A renewed mindset of trust and patience and flexibility. We're going to pitch our tents as a church over there for a year. And those new spaces have all kinds of possibilities and they also require some things of us. You know, when you move into a new house, there are a thousand new decisions and questions to answer because you've never lived there before. You don't have patterns yet. You don't have defaults yet. Everything's new. And with all the excitement of everything being new, it's going to require some extra patience and flexibility. It's going to require us to be more kind than maybe we already are and others-centered as well. Ask God for new opportunities with the gospel. Ask God for a new, renewed mindset for us. Third, ask God, how are you calling me, me, Mike, to participate in stepped-up ways in this new year, in this new era for our church? God's calling for vested people in this local church. Here are some possibilities. Next week, sit in places where you'll meet some new people and show preference for their needs. There's no assigned seating over there, and your seat doesn't exist. <laughs> so challenge yourself for the month of January that you'll sit in three places on three Sundays just to see what the air is like there. You might meet someone new. That's a good thing. 
or participate in a grace group, in a Sunday morning group. You're already here. If you have kids, your kids are already cared for thanks to great planning and creativity by our great kids staff. Your group, your class that you can be a part of is literally steps away. It's not feeling like you're going to another zip code down to the D-Army Center. It's steps away from the worship center over there where we gather for worship. It means being here an extra hour and connecting with people. If you're not in a grace group already, if you're not in a Sunday morning group starting next week, January 13, is a great time for you to connect. There's something in your worship program to indicate your interest. Try it. As the old commercial went, Mikey, you might like it. Find a place to serve in our church body. It might be a new ministry that you've long envisioned. Some of you are very creative. On your communication card, write, I would be interested in this kind of ministry from our church. Let's dream. It's a new phase, a new experience. Let's dream about that. Or maybe a, a role that we have and a willingness on your part to help with our welcome team, to help as an usher, tech roles, Grace students, Grace kids, working with those with special needs, local outreach, nursing home ministry, caring for those who are hospitalized or grieving, the list goes on. If you're not in the game, we need you. You have something to offer. We invite you to serve. Maybe it's a, a regular pattern of giving at Grace or an increase in what you do give. You know, there's a sizable minority here at Grace that actually give 10% or more of their income to the ministries of this local church. We are so grateful and so blessed. Thank you to you. We also have a large percentage uh, that give very modest amounts. Maybe this is the year for you to say, God, you know, I'm going to trust you with my finances. To be intentional about giving toward the mission of my local church. And I'm counting on you, God, to provide for me. I'm going to step up and step out, and I need you. Maybe you, you just need a financial class or some financial counseling. We have that here at Grace. On your communication card, mark that. Say, I need help. My patterns don't work. I need help. Maybe you even, after sitting on the sidelines to some degree, you want to put something toward our Reaching Beyond campaign in this auditorium. Maybe you just want to ask God, God, give me opportunities with lost people. I want to verbally share my faith. Usually we have not because we ask not. Ask God, place people in my life that I can love and speak the gospel to. People in my family, people in my neighborhood, my workplace, people around this campus. This place used to have no one 35 years ago. It was said this was a field Look what God's done. Do you think he's telling us anything? He's brought Polaris right to our doorstep. How can he use us and these facilities to reach those people who live right near us? Let's ask him. Just a moment. I'm going to ask you to spend a couple of minutes in thought right there with your communication card. Maybe I said something that prompted something in your mind. Yeah, that's that's an area I need to step up in, step out in. As we move into this new year as a church, that's my part. God's prompting me to say, I want to be involved there. I want to 
take that initiative. I want to try that. Write on your communication card. Every one of you should have one. I want you to write. At Grace in 2019, God is prompting me to, and fill in the blank. Let me say that again. At Grace in 2019, God is prompting me to. And just write in a sentence there. Whether it's related to serving, or connecting, or giving, or sharing, or being. These are exciting times at Grace. These are challenging times. These are opportune times in 2019. And they're going to show us what kind of people we are. And God gives us phases and eras like this as an opportunity to reconsecrate ourselves to be those kind of people. Not people that remain on the sidelines as opportunities pass us by, but people that get in the game and say, God, I want to seize those opportunities. There's a time for everyone to be on the playing field. And I'm convinced that 2019 is not meant to be a holding pattern at all for us as a church, but rather a season of opportunity, a season of maturity, a season of growth for us. See, God is never in cruise control, and neither should we be. God's on mission in us, and he's on mission through us to multiply devoted followers of Jesus until Jesus comes. Here's how Paul says it, to another local church in another time and space, and he just as well could have said it to us. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, with his people, what God begins, what he commences, he continues and he completes. And he wants to do that here.